In this podcast, I talk to four-time Olympic gold medalist and Australian champion in Libby Trickett. Libby is now a mum, a podcaster, and also a Peloton tragic, like me. She opens up in this podcast about her battle with depression, how after swimming, she really struggled to find her way. And she talks about how she's coping with this, how she actually endured and went back to the Olympics again after suffering depression and won an Olympic gold medal, as you do. And then how she suffered again as a result, but found a way of being able to cope through both medication, but also bringing technology into her life, positive technology in a brand like Peloton that helps her stay regular, keeps her mentally and physically fit. This is such a cool conversation with someone who's really, really inspiring. She opens up about her mental thoughts as she's swimming the race. She opens up about how she struggles after the fact. And for anyone that is struggling with any thoughts or darkness or depression, Libby and I both ask you to seek help, to reach out to someone, to talk to a helpline. I know in, I'm so proud of Libby opening up and talking about this and I too have suffered from elements of really dark periods of my life where I also needed to seek some help and speak to someone about it and I'm very grateful to have done that. If you feel like that, please do that. I hope you get inspired and I hope you really enjoy listening to an Australian champion and just a genuinely awesome person. <laughs> Libby Trickett, this for me is a massive honor. Thank you for taking the time to have a conversation with me on my podcast. You're so welcome. It's so good to be here. Hey, give us uh, give us the elevator pitch, the Libby Trickett elevator pitch. For I have an, uh, Sometimes I have an international audience of like two or three people and they'll be like, <laughs> most Who? people in Australia, well, most people in Australia know you. Well, well know yeah. of you. Yeah. What, what, what's, your, what's your elevator pitch? Libby Trickett is? Uh, Libby Trickett is, you may remember me from such <laughs> Olympics as. <laughs> um, so I went to three Olympic Games as a swimmer. Um, I have won seven Olympic medals. That feels like a lifetime ago now. And now I spend most of my time wrangling three young girls. And also I'm doing, I'm studying a Bachelor of Counseling and also have a podcast. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. That's pretty amazing because I had the suspicion. I set you up with that question. Oh, God. And I had a, sus- <laughs> I had a suspicion you would mention the swimming and you would quickly pivot to your life mm. and that transition from swimming to your life because a lot of that is what your podcast is about. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's it's a funny thing, sport, right? Like you do it for what feels like a really long time in your life, but really it's a blip in terms of like a person's entire life. Like for me, I mean, I've, I swam from the, you know, pretty much as soon as I could walk, I learned to swim um, and have been swimming ever since. But in terms of that really elite period of time, it's only 10 to 15 years of somebody's life. So uh, assuming, I hope I live to a ripe old age, it's only going to be a, 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 you know, a small mark in my life but it's something that you know I'm so grateful for and so proud of and I've been able to kind of 
I don't know, use in a way to talk about mental health, which is something that I'm really passionate about. And I think that's where my life is going now. But yeah, it's, um, there's so much more to me than just that person who was an athlete for, for a period of time. But let's not underestimate your achievements as well. We're talking four Olympic gold medals, yeah. um, more Commonwealth Games gold medals in some countries. Um, <laughs> you, you were very, very, very successful as a swimmer. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. It feels, honestly, it feels like a lifetime ago because I, I am retired nine years this year. I've retired nine years ago and... I, you know, there's sometimes that I'm like, oh, how did I do that? Like, how did I, how did I train for 35 hours a week for 50 wow. weeks a year for, you know, the better part of a decade, you know, how, how did I do that? But it's, it's, it's amazing because I don't know. I just, I loved it so much. And, you know, it's such an incredible privilege to be able to represent your country um, at the highest level. And not only that, like I was really, I mean, a lot, luck has a lot to do with it because, you know, everyone who's going to an Olympic games is training as much as I was. So it comes down to the race on the day and, you know, that's not to discount all of the hard work that I put into it, but I, yeah, it just, yeah. People feels- are listening going in it. I ain't luck. That's 35 hours of like per week staring at a black line going up and down a pool, going crazy, just working your ass off. Yeah. And you, you, it, I don't, I, I most listeners here have not won an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> I don't think it's almost like you'd be unlucky. Maybe. Have you ever thought of it in a different frame? Because. Maybe you, you wanted to expect disappointment, maybe, so it was okay, but you didn't disappoint. Well, you yeah, it, it, you can kind of frame it that way, but I don't know. It's I, I, I really feel like you have to be a little bit lucky on the day because I know mm-hmm. how hard it is to, to win. Like things have yep. to go right. And, you know, I've had the experience that, you know, in the 100 metres butterfly in Beijing, I – Ah, maybe I was the favorite to win it. Maybe I wasn't the favorite. Um, But I ended up putting together the best race that I possibly could, best race of my life. I did a personal best time and I touched the wall first and won the gold medal and, you know, got to sing the national anthem, which is every athlete's dream, right? That that level is to, to be able to walk away with an individual gold medal. But then I've also had the experience where, you know, in the 100 metres freestyle at the very same um, Olympics where I was the world record holder, I was the world champion from the year before and I walked away with silver. Um, So I know, yeah, there is a little element of lack. It's like you have to work your ass off to get this opportunity right and then you have to kind of leave it up to the universe. Perform. Yeah. yeah. Talk me through it. So there's there's one thing to like you peaked at the exact right time you mm. showed up at exactly the right time like of all the races you know there's a lot of people that talk about playing in a grand final and we played the worst game we've ever played because we just built it up too much in our heads mm. 
how did you get <laughs> to the pinnacle and smash it and just do the best you've ever done? How does that but, happen? But that's exactly right. That's luck, right? Like you have to be the right age at the right time. And, you know, that's why watching Tokyo, the Tokyo Olympics get postponed by a year like that. Yeah. That it was so hard, not just for the young athletes who this might that might have been their first Olympics, but for the athletes, particularly at the end of their career, right, where they're like, you know, another twelve months is is maybe too much <laughs> for their body, for their mind, um, whatever it might be. So a, a lot of luck in terms of timing, you know, in Beijing, particularly, I was I was twenty three, so kind of at a a good age. Um, although, you know, there's oh. an argument to be said with particularly female athletes, particularly sprinters, that you actually might do better the longer you swim because of um, the way that we develop over time. However, at the time, for me, 23, I was physically in the best shape of my life. I was the strongest, uh, you know, the most fit and uh, most experienced, I guess, at that, at that stage. And I think the thing, the luck that I had on my side for the 100 metres butterfly was that I wasn't necessarily the favourite. So my teammate, Jessica Shipper, we had been tussling for a few years by that stage for that one and two position um, in the 100 metres butterfly. So I think she won uh, in 2005 Worlds. She won 2006 Com Games. I won the 2007 Worlds. And so we were kind of going back and forth. And so there wasn't as much pressure on me in that particular race because nobody really thought of me as a butterflyer, which I think really played into my <laughs> hands at that particular meet because I was able to just kind of go in there and really just allow my body to do what I had trained it to do. Whereas fast forward to the, the freestyle, the 100 meters freestyle, and then also the 50 meters freestyle later in that event, I was the world record holder for both the 50 and 100 meters freestyle leading into the Olympics. I had had um, a less than ideal outcome four years prior in Athens where I hadn't even made the final, despite also being the world record holder leading into that event. Um, yeah, so I kind of, and then I kind of, I don't know if you swear on your podcast, but in, you know. You can swear. Okay, cool. <laughs> I fucked it. I fu <laughs> um, in the 100 freestyle semifinal, I completely stuffed up my race. I went too easy. I almost, well, I did actually officially miss the final. And the only way that I actually made mm. the final was because one of the Chinese swimmers actually got disqualified from uh, moving on the blocks. So I was lucky to luck. get it. Yeah, I was, I was lucky to get a spot in the final. And then I don't think I... Um, not, I don't think, I, I know that I didn't refocus in the way, I didn't kind of recalibrate my thinking from that semifinal to the final. I, instead of being focused on the fact that I had this opportunity now, I spent way too much time on the fact that I, uh, I almost didn't have the opportunity, which is ridiculous, right? Because I had the opportunity, but I was so focused that I almost stuffed up completely. Um, oh. Yeah. So I, I spent way too much time and energy on on that thing that wasn't real 
and then yeah kind of went too hard and missed the gold medal by 0.04 of a second so it's 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 an interesting time to remember back to because I can see the process that I went through and I and I, knowing who I am as a person and who most people are I understand how I went through that process but yeah it's one of those things that you just go oh if you just let it go <laughs> just uh-huh. focus on the fact that you were an Olympic gold medalist at that stage you had every opportunity you were swimming really fast you had the capability of winning but you you stuffed up your race basically and 0.04 of a second is not very much and who's to say what part of my race I could have, I could have easily done lots better but yeah. what would have been the difference between that and silver because 0.04 whatever it is like I know Seinfeld does a joke and he's just like the difference between an Olympic gold medalist and a no one is this yeah that much like that yeah. much how, how do you when you're on the blocks because you're a sprinter right mm. so it's like I've always wondered this because I've never had a conversation with a sprinter before uh, apart from <laughs> myself and I'm not a very good sprinter but I would always be standing there on the box going like shit 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 do you do you are look you that's not an ideal t- race preparation <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest well i sort of knew i was out of my league whenever i was on the blocks but okay so you're on the blocks right what's going through your head what are you are you talking to yourself do you have mental mind games are you calm are you nervous like what's your body what's your emotion um before well, i i think lots of people think nerves are a bad thing and that's just not the case nerves are a wonderful thing because it means that you care about what you're doing so I was able to really reframe that idea in my mind and anytime I felt you know the flutters in your tummy or you know racing heart or kind of that breathless feeling or a bit shaky with the hands that always or you know going to the toilet for a, a <laughs> needing to poo all the time or wee all the time <laughs> it was because that's you were great, nervous baby. that's really, really <laughs> we, <laughs> we should so basically you're on the blocks and all you can think about is weeing and pooing okay this is great also mm. not ideal if you're doing that um but you know you get the nervous wees and the nervous poos yeah, and yeah. that all happens um but I kind of, I realized that that was my body getting ready to race. Like that was my nervous system firing up to allow my body to perform in the way that I'd trained it. So I was pretty good at managing that. For me, it was always the mental um, chat that I had to control. And so for me, a lot of the things that I had to kind of manage in my head was when I was getting or if I was getting negative, it, this sounds really weird. And I'm sure lots of athletes have kind of different role plays or scenarios that they play out in their mind. But for me, when I was getting negative or worried or nervous, like nervous in a detrimental way, I would be playing the post-race interview in my head. And the interviewer was always asking me, oh, what did you do wrong? Or like, why did why did you swim the race that way? Or what did you do? <laughs> what could you have done better? And so mm. in, uh, I think it was probably around two, well, no, in my first year on the team in 2003, I was really sick. I had bronchitis. I had a lot of asthma issues um, racing over in Barcelona. It was an indoor pool 
um, which was aggravating my breathing. And so at that point, my coach and I, well, he encouraged me to develop what he called a power phrase, which started as I'm strong, I'm fit, I'm healthy, therefore I'm fast, which I wasn't healthy. (laughs) But if you tell yourself enough uh, and you ignore all the other mind chatter, that was enough for me to allow my body to do what it was capable of, whatever that was capable of, despite being having bronchitis and having a few challenges in that respect. So basically from then on, anytime in the lead up to a meet or particularly when we're at the meet and, you know, preparing to warm up, basically as soon as I walked into the pool, it was, I'm strong, I'm fit, I'm healthy, therefore I'm fast. And that was just on repeat in my head constantly. Um, and then in 2006, after a few tussles with Jody Henry, um, uh, you know, an incredible Australian swimmer for your overseas listeners who don't know, triple uh-huh. Olympic gold medalist at, in Athens. Uh, yeah. And we were just constantly tussling for that one or two position. And in 2006, um, I don't know, I was getting so frustrated at being, it was, sorry, it was at trials for the Commonwealth Games that I raced her and I remember thinking, I'm not far enough ahead at this point because she had this incredible back end speed. And I was literally in the race and I remember thinking, I'm not far enough ahead. Um, And I was just so sick of not being in my lane. And so my power phrase became, I'm strong, I'm fit, I'm healthy, therefore I'm fast. No doubts, no regrets. I'm just here to have fun because swimming is fun. Ultimately, I started swimming because I just loved being in the water. I loved seeing how fast my body could go um and I loved racing like that was just just the best you know to try and touch the wall first and I couldn't do that if I was focused on what other people were doing in the lane next to me so yeah I think for me it was always about that power phrase and basically as soon as I got onto pool deck it was I'm strong I'm fit I'm healthy therefore I'm fast no doubts no regrets I'm just here to have fun and that allowed me to do what my body was trained to do. So when you're in that race, you're in the race and Jodie Henry's in the lane next to you and you're freaking out a little bit and everyone Mm. in Australia is screaming at the TV like, come on, let me go, go. Like We're all going (laughs) mental. In your head, you're going, I'm strong, I'm fit. When I'm actually in the race, no, when I'm actually in the race and I'm racing well, I think almost nothing. It's just, it's just, it just comes. I'm just feeling the water. I'm just in that moment. I, for all of my worst races, I can remember almost every meter or almost every centimeter of what I was thinking. Um, And that's because I was in my head rather than in, in my body. I want to come back to this mental toughness in a sec, but before we do, I gotta know you touch the wall and you look around, do you know that you've won? Oh, um, for the 100 fly, I did. I In, in Beijing, I, I definitely did. There's been a couple of moments. There have been a couple of really cool moments, um, like when I broke the world record for the first time in 2004 at the Olympic trials. Uh, wow. It was it was a semifinal, and I, I was like a couple of body lengths ahead, and that was that was a really cool moment. I had no idea that I was going to break the world record at that stage, but it, gee, it felt good. 
because <laughs> you won so you by touched. a bit and I, um, you know, broke my personal best time by a, a second at that stage. And oh, that was, man, oh. yeah, that was really, really cool. But most of the time it's like, it's, you know, being sprinting, it's point oh something of a second. Yeah. So you never know until you turn around and yeah, it feels really good. <laughs> feels really good when it's been a tight race and you turn around and there's a number one next to your name. National anthem. Yeah. What's the part? What's the part? What's what got you the most? Was it touching and then going, "Oh my god, I've done it." Was it seeing family or something Ooh. on the pool deck? Was it getting the medal, then the anthem? It's uh, no? well, no. Like I think in the hundred fly, I touched, I turned around, and I saw number one. And you'd think immediately it would be joy, but immediately for me it was just utter relief, um, oh. which is kind of sad. Like it sounds really sad when you put it like that, but it's um, it was just such a weight that had lifted because you just go, oh, thank God I was able to execute what I wanted to. And then, you know, then comes the happiness and then comes, you know, the joy for a moment, but then also comes the, okay, what do I need to do now for my next race? Because I had multiple events, right? So you don't kind of get a moment to celebrate or go out on the town or go and see your family and friends really even. Um, I got to see my my hubby and my mom and my mother and father-in-law in the the studio, in, in the studio, in the stadium after the ceremony which was really special and I got to hug my my hubby which is awesome um yeah I think everyone kind of dreams about the national anthem and that that is really really special but to be honest the most special moments standing on a dais singing the national anthem has been as part of the relays that's that they're the things because it's funny as a as a swimmer it's an individual sport you kind of hope and dream of winning an individual gold medal which is obviously the pinnacle for our sport but now that I'm 37 and a washed up old athlete it, it's those moments with the the other women the other Australian women that I got to compete with and and sharing those moments on the dais because they're the ones you know right like they're the ones who know the sacrifice and know the choices you've had to make and know the intensity of the training and the intensity of, of the racing uh, and to be able to share that with them. Yeah. They're, they're the moments that will live with me forever. Fantastic. Yeah. To share with your friends, with people that mm. have put that hard work in and it's amazing. It's a good character for you as well to understand who you are and the type of person you are and that you'd want to be able to share it with 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 your friends and with your colleagues. You call them colleagues, I guess. Yeah. Teammates. <laughs> yeah it's probably more appropriate. You don't go to work and win gold medals with your <laughs> colleagues usually unless it's a weird company. That would be pretty cool though. <laughs> uh, but okay, so uh, like amazing athlete, mentally tough, can perform on the day clearly. You, I didn't get a chance to read your book yet, but but you struggled a little bit in the transition from this life of swimming, which is all for anyone who's never been a swimmer. And I, I, I confess, I did a little bit as a kid, lots of training, nowhere near as much as you. It's a hard work. Like I stopped because I was like, I just want to have some friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
I always uh, joke that people are either affected by the chlorine mentally or, or we're just crazy to begin with. I don't know. It's um, it's a funny sport. I like even now. I've done like a few clinics, like swimming and water polo clinics at the same time. Yeah. And I I always make us do the swimming clinics first because the kids have way more fun doing the water polo. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, who actually chooses to be a swimmer? <laughs> We're all yeah. crazy. <laughs> go do yeah. laps. Yeah, go, go like, do laps. A couple of years of your life staring yeah. at the black lane without music and stuff. But I love it. And I still, honestly, I still love it. I, I know it's something that will be with, in me it's it's just in me I, I it's hard to explain it yeah. but i um uh yeah it's a lot it's, of thinking it, time yeah and but it it doesn't feel like it feels like work obviously like it's hard work and it's mm. but I, I i just loved it like it just it i know i i know i mentioned sacrifices a little bit earlier but at the at really they're just choices that you make it was a choice that i made to commit and dedicate my life to swimming and you know it's choices that you make to miss out on some things that maybe your friends are experiencing um Mm. to kind of put off not put off starting life it's just it's it's just a different start to life really but yeah when I retired at 27 um I had no qualifications I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do I assumed being you know, a, a person of reasonable profile um, that I might get some work in the media somewhere, uh, but I didn't. I didn't know how to apply what I had learned in swimming into life after, and I didn't know how to ask questions to get the help that I needed to become good at something outside of swimming so you don't just wander into you know a a tv studio and be able to put a a television package together you know that that, that's not the reality of the world you live in and unfortunately I had a few opportunities along those lines and I didn't really have I couldn't articulate the help that I needed and also I wasn't really given much help (laughs) to Mm -hmm. navigate it and I felt so you know, not to use a, um, a too too much of a cliche, but I really felt like a fish out of water. Like, just had no idea what I was doing, where I was going. I had no idea what I was passionate about. And I and, and you know, you kind of go from being the best in the world at what you did at the age of twenty three to being a shit kicker, twenty seven year old who's like trying her hardest to learn shit kick up come on yeah like you've got an order of australia and a lot of gold medals let's be a little kind to yourself Um, i know but it felt like i was a shit kicker because i was coming in at at not the expert like i was an expert in my field and then i was coming into something that i had literally no idea about so um yeah Uh, so i i retired um well i actually initially retired in 2009 uh i was out of the sport for about uh, 10 months <laughs> and I realized that I wasn't quite ready for for life after sport so I came, made a comeback went to London the 2012 Olympics and then it, it, it's funny how the world works but I actually had every intention of going on to Rio I, I wanted to keep pushing do another four years but not long after the London Olympics I actually um, had a full 
uh, scapholunate um, tear in my wrist, which required a full wrist reconstruction, which who knew mm. a wrist could need a, a reconstruction, but it did. And that took me another 10 months to rehab. And I just realized after almost two years out of the sport at the age of 27, it was going to be a pretty tough ask to come back to the level that I wanted to come back to but also mm -hmm. there was a couple of swimmers by the name of Kate and Bronte Campbell who were kind of doing pretty mm. well at the time so mm. that made it a little bit more challenging as well so yeah it was kind of I feel like it was a blessing in disguise I feel like I don't know that I would have been capable of making the decision to retire again had I not been injured so can I, because I, for some people listening, they've probably also have done something, they've given up on something, then they've gone, I shouldn't have done that, I'm going to go back mm. to it. The question I'm going to ask is, so you gave up on swimming mm. and then you went, nah, I'm going back. Yeah. Did you enjoy it when you went back? Because you were still successful, right? Did you? Well, I mean... yeah, I wasn't as successful as I would have liked to have been. I, I did pretty well considering where I had come from in a short, mm. pe relatively short period of time. Um, I, you know, a question that I get asked a lot is, do you wish you hadn't have retired, hadn't have retired? Yeah. Um, and it's, a, it's a funny thing. Like, you know, in some ways I do regret the actual decision to stop swimming completely. Like I think, had I, you know, have the brain that I have now, back then, I would have probably just taken an extended period of time out and then worked out what I wanted to do from there. But, you know, as it was, I'm very much an all or nothing person. And so for me, I didn't want to swim, so I didn't. I just retired and that seemed to make sense in my head. I, yeah. I felt like I was ready to move on. I felt like I was ready to see what the world had in store for me but um you know the reality is really different and I was living in Sydney with not a lot of um of my support network there I put on about 10 kilos because I went from training 35 hour, hours a week to yep. not training anything at all because yep. I was rebelling against the idea of exercise um yep. yeah so there was a few things that were playing into it and I, I definitely fell into a depression during that period of time. And for me, all I could see to get myself out of that depression was to have the structure of swimming, you know, the routine, the, the tangible black and white goal that I was working towards, um, something that I was doing every single day. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me, you know, and I was able to make a third Olympics, which, you know, is something that I'm, incredibly proud of and I would have loved to have gone to a fourth <laughs> had it not been for my injury but also I think it was a blessing because I think I was ready I just didn't know that I was uh, and you know life has life gives you the opportunities and the challenges that you kind of need to become the person that you know I've definitely become the person that I am today because of all of those experiences so that's brave. You hit the bottom, like you literally hit the bottom and then you, you suffered from depression, you said, mm. and then went to the Olympics. I didn't know that was in between your Olympic campaigns. So I, I just assumed maybe it was after and sorry for not oh, knowing, no. but no. No, no, how, how do you, um, well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that's so much better. 
Um, Both times, it's fine. <laughs> how do you so so then so for people maybe listening and they're they're going through something and they want to be able to cope. It's like mm. what you did is you, you went. It sounds like you went back to what you knew, yeah. what to do, where is a happy place that had you in a routine that you knew you could achieve. <laughs> you, you know, you, you became an Olympian again. Yeah, mm. it's just one of those things. Oh, it's pretty easy, as we all do. Um, and uh, and then suffered another bout of depression by mm. the sounds of it. How, how do you know you're suffering from depression? How, how do you how, how do you get to the point where you're like, I, I think I'm in trouble. And I need to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. And it, it really looks different on different people. So, and, and at different times of, of people's mm-hmm. lives. So, um, the depression that I had between during my retirement, my first retirement, um, it, it, I had no motivation to do anything at all. It was a struggle to get out of bed. I was um, retreating from all sort of social interactions. I really wasn't connecting with any friends or family. I didn't find joy in anything that I was doing. Um, everything just felt really hard, almost like you're moving through like mud or honey or, mm-hmm. you know, molasses. Like every just thing, everything just feels heavy and hard. And mm. um, I probably didn't have the language around what I was feeling at the time or the ability to ask for the help that I needed at that time either. So that's why I guess I headed back towards um, swimming because I, yeah, like you said, it was like a comfort zone. It's what I knew. I knew what was required of me. I didn't have the brain capacity to kind of work life out on the outside of sport. It was too complicated for me at that time because I was going through too much in my head and then um you know so that was that experience and then after after swimming I went through a down period initially after first retiring but it wasn't depression um it was just that transition period where you're like oh god what am I going to do with my life um, but then I experienced postnatal depression after the birth of my first daughter. And, and for me, those symptoms, there were similarities in some instances. There's that, that kind of deep feeling of not being enough on some level, being really shitty at what, whatever it is that you're doing and getting no payoff and not finding any joy in anything. But um, the main difference for me was anger. I had a lot of anger and just an inability to manage my emotions um and that was really scary you know that kind of got to really that for me got to a moment where I was thinking really um terrible things about my daughter and that was the moment where I went okay I need to get help because this isn't this isn't normal and I needed yeah I needed to find my way out of that dark place do you mind me asking, is the help in the form of medication or counseling or both? And, yeah. And obviously, did it help? Yeah. I mean, again, such a good question because I think we need to start normalizing these conversations and, and yeah. what that looks like on different people because then others can actually try different things mm-hmm. and see what works for them. So for me at the time, it was the initial thing was reaching out to my GP and he made a few suggestions around 
getting some space. So I put my daughter into daycare one day a week. Um, we had a sleep consultant come and help with her sleeping because a lot of it was stemming from uh, pretty chronic sleep deprivation mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and then also starting to exercise more regularly again because uh, for me, exercise is 100, 100% the foundation of my mental health um, kind of checklist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then at the start of the pandemic, when we, I had a very newborn baby, or not, she was, she was about six months old. Well, actually, no, she would have been about four months old when we first went into lockdown in Brisbane. <clears throat> I, yeah, we were, we were staring down the barrel of an undetermined amount of time at home. I had no access to my normal coping mechanisms like exercise, oh, yeah. um, you know, friends and, and, and things like that. The routines that we kind of, that I created to help with the rhythm of our week and our days and our months. Daycare as well. Daycare. Yeah. All the girls were at home full time. Yeah. There was no kids. Space is gone. Yeah. Everything, everything was, um, really, it felt compressed. And so at that time I decided to go on to medication um, even though I probably didn't feel depressed at that time, I just knew that I was going to need something to help me manage through that time. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm still on medication now. And I actually think it's been one of the best things for me. Cause I think sometimes people are just not wired correctly in inverted commas. And sometimes we do need some assistance, um, whether it be through medication, whether it's through exercise. But for me, my foundations are exercise, medication, good sleep. Um, I used to see a therapist really regularly. I see them every now and then as I need it. Um, and, yeah, just making sure that Amazing. I'm taking – but you have to do it every day, right? Like you have to do something every day to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And, and that, for me – was a big recognition during that period of time, particularly through postnatal depression. Are you now, so thank you, firstly, thank you for sharing that and for everyone who's listening and, and heard that as well. Um, very powerful message and, I, and you're right, normalize it. Like we're mm. not all wired exactly the same. I've yeah. through, been through bouts of pretty deep and dark, you know, nervous breakdowns and all mm. sorts of stuff and it was fitness that got me through. Yeah, more than anything. Um, mm. Are you going to explain to everyone how we met, Libby, or <laughs> should we just like we met on a Facebook forum? <laughs> we it, well, it's Instagram. Oh, Let's Instagram. make it a Sorry, little. God. Yeah, I'm, I'm come aging on. Gosh, <laughs> I have a young audience. They won't understand. They'll be like, <laughs> Not Facebook. Really. What is Facebook? Um, <laughs> but the, your context of fitness, right? Is yeah. we had something in common, which is. Um, I believe we Peloton, <laughs> right? Uh, so I'll tell everyone, okay? So you, you I'll go. embarrass you for a second. Okay, <laughs> okay. so uh, I love Peloton. Yeah, I know. I just, as soon as I said it, I realized it. <laughs> the words came out of my mouth and I went, wait a second. Like, I, I think I'm embarrassing Peloton. myself. Um, so everyone that knows, hi, my name is Dave. Uh, I'm addicted to Peloton. Uh, have been for a couple of years now. Um, I'm recovering from um, previous recovering. addictions. We're not recovering. We're in it. Come on. We're in it. We're in a cult. So it's lovely. Um, so I agree. Every day, right? Every day is the thing. And so anyway, I'm on the. I follow things and I read forums and I just can't get enough of the damn thing. And um, there's a Libby Trickett comment on the Peloton uh, post, and it says. 
when is the treadmill coming to Australia? <laughs> and I was like flicking through at night, you know, double screening, dual screening, whatever, because it's just TV's rubbish. And, oh, I'm on pe- and I'm obsessed by Peloton. <laughs> Scrolling through, I go, Lippy Trick. Lip- like, hang on a Trickett? second. <laughs> the Lippy Trickett? This can't be Lippy Trickett. Oh my God, it's Lippy Trickett. And then I messaged you and was like, why are you asking about a treadmill? Are you a tragic of Peloton like me? And, and here I we am. are. I am. Hi, and then I'm I follow Lydia. you on Instagram and you're a Peloton every day nearly. Yep. Yep. You do yoga. And this was the whole premise of like my podcast supposed to be about technology and how it helps you cope with life. And mm. technology is all about like take make a lot of the people I talk to, ah, oh, technology is bad for you. But this is technology that's not bad for you at all. It's actually no. made me the fittest and happiest I've ever been. Yes, exactly. And I would like to say I'm right there with you. I am addicted to Peloton. It is, I don't know, it's it's a funny thing because uh, my sister kind of encouraged me to get one. And it's hilarious because I now use it more than she does. <laughs> but, all yeah. or nothing, Libby yeah, Trigger. Yeah, nothing, all or nothing. Is, is don't get me one, I'll smash you on the leaderboard. Exactly. And it's just, I, I think, I mean, there's so much that I love love about it. Because, you know, back in the day, a million years ago, when I was going to fitness first, I'd do the spin session and then I'd go and do a body pump session and body attack and all those sorts of things. So it's like yeah. having those classes in literally my home. And it kind of took me a while, not, not a huge amount of time, but it took me a little while to kind of use it in the way that I wanted to use it, I guess. And you know, finding the time with three young children can be a little bit challenging uh, at the best of times. But yeah, now I just, I love the fact that you can do a boot camp or you can do cycle or eventually I hope I get my hands on a treadmill like you are so fortunate <laughs> to have um, because I think I'd really, really enjoy that because I hate running. Well, I don't hate running. I don't love running, um, but I'd love to be able to do a class like that because I think that would yeah. be a nice distraction for me. I know you love you love Bex. <laughs> I do love Bex. Don't tell everyone my secrets. Hey, I'm Cody. I'm a boot crew, baby. I, I, I dreamt about Bex the other night. It was a little awkward. I had to wake up and go, oh, explain it to my wife and go, oh, I think the virtual instructor's finally crept into my psyche properly now. <laughs> That's so funny. Actually, Jess Sims was in my dream the other night. She was sitting at some fashion parade or something. I don't know what I was doing at a fashion parade, but anyway, whatever. I I was waving at her like, hi, Jess. But we all have our favourites, right? Like my, I I mean, Cody is right up there for me, but I love Emma Lovewell as well and Tunde. Like they're just, I mean, they're all magic, right? But you can just, oh, and there's an Aussie doing yoga, Kira Michelle. Like she's awesome as well. Like there's, yeah, there's so much that you can get out of it and the fact I think because for a really long time coming from swimming and that kind of elite mentality it was like if I didn't do two hours of exercise it wasn't worth doing that all or nothing mentality right whereas what I love about the peloton and the way that I think about exercise now is it doesn't have to be two hours it doesn't have to be 20 minutes it can be 10 minutes it can be five minutes it can just be a stretch yeah. that you do they have meditation yeah. there's like so many things that can enrich your lives in different ways and you can do a 10 minute yoga or you could do you know a 20 minute boot camp or you could do you know a, a 45 minute cycle there's so many different options and 
you can mix it all together, which makes it great for me because I get bored of it all. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what exercise should be. It's about trying different things and challenging your body in different ways um, and learning from different people because they're actually all really inspiring people as well. They are inspiring, aren't they? It's yeah. not just about the music and, and sweating. It's no. Like you, you come away with like positive affirmations and yeah. you start quoting things that you like. I think your quote, I was telling my daughter, I can, I will, I do. It was one of Christine McGee or one of the cyclists. She had a particular quote. I've got a quote on the wall, you know, um, to, there's just so many positive affirmations that come out of like, I literally just came from a class before I did the podcast. That's why yeah. I still look a little red. I did a run. <laughs> Sorry to mention the treadmill again. <laughs> With Vex, I once really again. want if a you, treadmill. Come yeah, on, I, I, I think, what if we send this to them and say, <laughs> hey, Peloton, Australia, um, one of you the greatest swimmers to buy one. wants a treadmill. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Peloton's going to come out with a pool anytime soon. Um, Although they should, they could. Could you do a swimming class of some yeah. sort with like goggles and headphones and yeah. like, yeah, do they have yeah. technology for that stuff now? Yeah, we've got stuff like that. That happens. It's technology, right? It's constantly evolving. It's in the old days, I don't know how to go off. You would have to swim without any music or anything. Do the people now swim with music and stuff? Oh, or are you still I, just lost in your own head again? Like, people, hours, just like general population, the plebs just kicking up and down the pool. I think they, a lot of them wear headphones or whatever the things are. But I just oh. kick it old school and don't. Uh, have that. I just am with my thoughts. <laughs> because I would seriously turn up with the goggles with like the laser things that are like TV yes, and wires in my cool. head. Like they, well, they don't have TVs. That would be cool. Maybe that could be your your thing. You can trademark that. But like those are the ones that have like the lap counters and the meters and all yeah, that. Sort you could of do stuff. a Peloton style swimming instruction class. Yeah. Yes. Let's write this down. Let's work positive affirmations <laughs> as they're going through it. We um, can, now for we everyone, will, we must. I can, that, yeah, <laughs> and do, and everyone will just go. No, that's this ridiculous idea. Um, but uh, y- your advice to people who are struggling with training and like, because everyone starts this stuff and they don't, they don't do it. And you're mm. someone that just clearly, like, if you say you're going to do it, you don't seem not to all not- the time. No, oh, not all the time. Oh, and, you've and, just you know, ruined my story. You meant to say yes and then just keep going. <laughs> no, because oh, then that's not, not accessible, right? Like okay. people, people need to know that it's not easy every day. Like, you know, I know how good exercise is for me. I know how good it is for my yeah. physical health. I know how vitally important it is for my mental health. Um, but it's a commitment every day that I make to prioritize that time. And, you know, instead of like, cause you know, <clears throat> I get asked sometimes whether I, you know, do things early in the morning or I do things late at night, because obviously with kids and, um, work and all those sorts of things, it can get a bit challenging. And sometimes it works that I am getting up at 4am and at the moment it works that I put the girls to bed and I go and do my exercise and it's just, it, you know, it's not sacrifices, it's the choices we make. So instead of yeah. going and sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, I go and do some yoga or I go and do, um, you know, a spin class. 
because that's the choice that I'm making. And, you know, we all have enough time. <laughs> like, I don't know, it's yeah. kind of, it feels like, because uh, I don't want to ever feel like I'm judging anybody and I don't ever want anyone to feel judged. But the reality is, is that we all do have time. We have to find it sometimes. And sometimes it. it, yeah. And sometimes it means that you're getting up at 4 a.m. and going to bed at nine o'clock because that's what your priority is. And that's when you can find that time. Or maybe instead of spending half an hour watching Ted Lasso, <laughs> which I'm <laughs> also rebinging re at the moment, a great show. Um, yeah. But, you know, instead of doing that, I go and spend half an hour doing exercise because I know that that's what is going to benefit me. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's hard. Like the other night I just lay on the mat for like half an hour arguing with myself going, I don't actually have to do this. Like I can just go to bed or I could just go watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> but you did but, it, didn't you? But, but then I ended up doing it. And, you know, I promised myself that I only had to do five minutes. And that's, yep. that's that really uncomfortable point, right? And I read an amazing book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Ah, I've read that. Oh, and he just talks about showing up, right? Yep. You just that first five minutes is super uncomfortable because yep. you're just like, you, I, I just desperately don't want to do it. But you just turn up and you can not do it. Like you're an adult, you get to make your own choices. But usually, most of the time, and not all the time, but most of the time, when you show up, you actually go in and do something, whatever that looks like for you on that day. Yeah, and once you consistently do it and you form a habit, you know you can do it and exactly. you know the enjoyment of doing it. So you're like, well, I'm here. I'm in the Peloton instructors. I always do it. Hardest part of the workout is that you're here. Yeah. Check, done. Let's get done. going. Let's go. And I've never, have, have you ever regretted not ever. being there when they start the music? And, and like, not, all well, of got... them, not all of them feel good, you know. doesn't mean you're going to feel great on each session, but you're showing up for yourself every day and that feels good. And I think that's the main thing that I, I take away from my exercise now. I turned up to an Adrian Williams boot camp last week. Didn't feel like doing it. And he drops M&M. You do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. I'm <laughs> bouncing around on the treadmill like I'm going out to a title fight. And I'm How just good. in the gym on my own. Just like, you better lose yourself in the moment. You yes. want it. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Man, like, forget work. Forget stress. Forget yes. the kids. I'm dancing to M&M before I'm doing a boot camp. Like, 100%. That's, that's, that's like weirdo adult middle-aged fun <laughs> yeah but why can't we do that you know uh, like why you wouldn't do it we? in a gym well look maybe not but why can't we like i that's that's partly what i love about yoga to be honest because you're kind of getting to play and yeah. see what you can do and having a moment where you're just like oh cool let's see if my body can do this anymore or let's see if my uh, body can do that like standing on your head, which you've been yeah. posting on Instagram frequently. Yeah, you made me. You made me do that. <laughs> did I? It's so good. Yeah, I did, I tried it a couple of times. It's hard to get down from there. Yeah, it is, but it's fun and it's cool to see what your body can do. And you know, I hope I never lose that for as long as I can. Yeah. Nice. And so a couple of tips for everyone. Get a Peloton. Look out for the look out for look we're out for the leaderboard. By the way, we bought all No, we're not. We just love it. Have you got have you got a leaderboard name? Should people yeah. follow you? I don't uh, know. Uh Libby T does, uh Libby T forty four, something random like that. Libby T forty four. I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna do a ride with you. I'm gonna see if I can Yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun. Yeah, we do a community a ride. ride though. Is that okay? Uh, okay. Cody's quite funny, I'll give you He's that. great. Um, you also mentioned Atomic Habits. Yes. Um, fantastic book. And I know Highly recommend. 
you also mentioned um, the you 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 run an amazing podcast, Thank and you. Um, I hate interviewing podcast hosts, <laughs> especially good ones, because I like <laughs> listen to it for the first time, and I go, oh, if it's crap, it'll be okay, because it doesn't matter what my questions are like. And your podcast style and the people you interview is just awesome. Thank you. All that glitters. Yes, is what it's all called. that glitters. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, I love it. It's kind of like a weird passion project thing. And I just, I, I don't know, I just love it because it, it's talking about mental health, right? It's just through the lens of transition in, from life after into life after sport. But, you know, really it's just anyone transitioning, making a major life transition, whether it's, you know, into parenthood or a career transition or transition into marriage. And <laughs> think or like, out of it. <laughs> or out of marriage. You know, it just, it totally depends. There's these big life transitions where your identity is challenged and how yeah. you view yourself is challenged. And so, yeah, I really, I love it. And thankfully I haven't, well, I've had one person say no so far, but otherwise I just get ghosted, which is fine. Cause that's what I do yeah. most of the time. <laughs> oh, so it's an honor for you to, to have said yes to me then. 100%. Wow. Well, feel... Do you feel honored? <laughs> I do. I feel oddly. Um, is it because I'm a Peloton tragic? Yeah, um, it is. Oh, you got okay. me. <laughs> I did promise I'd try and get you a treadmill somehow. <laughs> I won't hold you to that. <laughs> um, I'll get a mini one. So I found them in America. It's hard to get them here though. But yeah. um, we'll try. We'll to come work here, on it. Surely, eventually. I they reckon it's the largest market. It's larger than the bikes. It's so gotta be. If, it, they'll, they'll bring them out. Yeah. They'll be they'll be here soon, surely. surely. I can't wait to run with people. I know, so good. Feel, feel lonely down here running, and then they <laughs> might have some more running classes. Hey, I've got to ask you this question. Yes. Is there such and and be honest, okay? Because the commentators say this stuff about swimming: fast pull and a slow <laughs> pull. Like, don't bullshit us, okay? <laughs> yes. So there's ideal swimming conditions. There's ideal pool conditions. So racing like you know top level it's got to have water in it <laughs> well ideally that would be great um but so like any world championship pool any olympic pool has to be built to certain specifications so it has to usually be two meters deep the entire way um it has to use certain type of lane ropes uh the the gutter system has to be uh, in a certain way. So there's been a few times in a few different pools where, uh, you know, the pools that get built, like just for a purpose. Yeah. So in particularly in 2007 at the World Champs there, it was uh, it was actually built on Rod Laver tennis court uh, in Melbourne. And there was issues with some of the guttering systems. So if you were on the outer lanes, you actually got hit by waves a lot more oh. than you would normally. So, yeah, there are certain spe specifications. It has to be 27 degrees, um, which is oh. why I'm an absolute wuss when a pool is colder yeah. than that. <laughs> Me too. I haven't said it like 30, 33 at the moment. Oh. So we're in Melbourne though, right? Well, you Queenslanders yeah. are a you're, bit tougher You're allowed us. to then. <laughs> yeah, twenty-seven. That's pretty warm. Twenty-seven is the perfect race temperature. Wouldn't the fifteen hundred meter swimmers be going like, "Come on, not twenty-three would be better for me." It's oh, a God. long time down here in the water. <laughs> Screw the distance swimmer. Uh, <laughs> us, us sprinters need it warm, man. 
Uh, does anyone... Uh, nah, this is a topic that would go on forever. What's that? Sprinters is where it's at, right? Oh, 100%. Well, I um, I actually interviewed Grant Hackett um, not that long ago, and I, I was like... Did you say that to him? Yeah, I was like, why choose <laughs> you just the 1500? He's, like, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, mate, I would choose the 100 if I could, but I wasn't yeah. fast enough. I'm like, oh, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> What a legend. Yeah, he's such hey, a Been awesome. I know your time is so valuable and you did say you had to wrap and get on with things. So I just wanted to say thank you for opening up. Um, also, giving your time to, to talk to me and uh, share a couple of your passions. Um, you know, Cody, your love for Cody. My love for um, Cody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and your Peloton and doing handstands and Instagram and your books and all the stuff that you do. You're a wonderful person. You can just get that sense. Hopefully oh, one day thank I can... Thank you. Yeah. That's really nice. You on, a, on a treadmill or something. Oh, yeah, I'm try, I... I try and end on a nice thing. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I'm a genuinely You're a, a half-decent person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a shit person, but for one hour, I can actually fake it and be nice. It's amazing, actually, how... You know, habitually, you can just hold it together for one hour and then after this, I'm just going to go and threaten my kids and family or something and jump in my ridiculously heated pool. (laughs) That's it. Exactly right. No, thank Uh, you so much. That's been an absolute pleasure. I loved it. All right. Take care. Bye. Cheers, dude.